0: Belinda Audio presents this unabridged recording of Heart of the Matter. Written by Emily Giffen, and read by Cynthia Nixon. Chapter 1. Tessa. Whenever I hear of someone else's tragedy, I do not dwell on the accident or diagnosis or even the initial shockwaves or aftermath of grief. Instead, I find myself reconstructing those final, ordinary moments, moments that make up our lives, moments that were blissfully taken for granted, and that likely would have been forgotten altogether, but for what followed, the before snapshots. I can so clearly envision the 34-year-old woman in the shower one Saturday evening, reaching for her favorite apricot body scrub, contemplating what to wear to the party, hopeful that the cute guy from the coffee shop will make an appearance, when she suddenly happens upon the unmistakable lump in her left breast. Or the devoted young father, driving his daughter to buy her first day of school Mary Jane's, Cranking up, here comes the sun on the radio, informing her for the umpteenth time that the Beatles are, without a doubt, the greatest band of all time, as the teenaged boy, bleary-eyed from too many late-night Budweisers, runs the red light. Or the brash high school receiver, full of promise and pride, out on the sweltering practice field the day before the big football game, winking at his girlfriend at her usual post by the chain-link fence just before leaping into the air to make the catch nobody else could have made, and then twisting, falling headfirst on that sickening, fluke ankle. I think about the thin, fragile line separating all of us from misfortune, almost as a way of putting a few coins in my own gratitude meter, of safeguarding against an after happening to me, to us, Ruby and Frank, Nick and me, our foursome, the source of both my greatest joys and most consuming worries. And so when my husband's pager goes off while we are at dinner, I do not allow myself to feel resentment or even disappointment. I tell myself that this is only one meal, one night, even though it is our anniversary, and the first proper date Nick and I have had in nearly a month, maybe two. I have nothing to be upset about, not compared to what someone else is enduring at this very instant. This will not be the hour I have to rewind forever. I am still among the lucky ones. Shit, I'm sorry, Tess, Nick says, silencing his pager with his thumb. Then running his hand through his dark hair. I'll be right back. I nod my understanding and watch my husband stride with sexy confident purpose toward the front of the restaurant where he will make the necessary call. I can tell just by the sight of his straight back and broad shoulders navigating deftly around the tables, that he is stealing himself for the bad news, preparing to fix someone, save someone. It is when he is at his best. It is why I fell in love with him in the first place, seven years and two children ago. Nick disappears around the corner as I draw a deep breath and take in my surroundings, noticing details of the room for the first time. The celadon abstract painting above the fireplace, the soft flicker of candlelight, the enthusiastic laughter at the table next to ours, as a silver-haired man holds court with what appears to be his wife and four grown children, the richness of the cabernet I am drinking alone. Minutes later, Nick returns with a grimace and says he's sorry for the second, but certainly not the last time. It's okay, I say, glancing around for our waiter. I found him, Nick says. He's bringing our dinner to go. I reach across the table for his hand and gently squeeze it. He squeezes mine back, and as we wait for our fillets to arrive in styrofoam, I consider asking what happened, as I almost always do. Instead, I simply say a quick prayer for the people I don't know.